The Philippines is the fastest growing digital economy in Southeast Asia, according to a report released in 2021. And the ongoing Omicron surge doesn't dampen any of the projections in the said report. The Philippine internet economy is still expected to hit $40 billion in terms of value by 2025. In this B-side episode, Willie Chang, associate partner at Bain & Company, tells us which sectors are expected to flourish and what opportunities there are for small businesses. He tells Business World reporter Revin Michael Diochave that, quote, the headroom for growth is tremendous, end quote. The Philippines is the fastest digital economy in terms of growth in Southeast Asia. Can you expound on that a bit further? Philippines is the fastest growing market this year between 2020 and 2021, about 93% growth year in year highest around the region, and primarily driven by two factors. The first being Philippines saw the largest uh, proportion of new users since COVID started. So about 20% of all of digital consumers, so people who have used at least one service online, have joined since 2020 and into 2021. And this is as a result of the second factor, which is some of the stricter restrictions around the pandemic. But of course, By and large, uh, the countries around the region experience similar levels of restrictions. But if we look back to our report from 2019, we talked about uh, this concept of the two-speed economy, how some Southeast Asian markets have higher headroom for growth just because of A, the macroeconomic growth, the GDP growth potential, as well as the level of penetration. So Philippines belong in the category of where the online penetration is actually a little bit behind. And as a result, the headroom for growth is tremendous. About 68% of the internet users consume online services in the Philippines. This is lower than the other markets, um, Indonesia, Singapore, etc. So I think this is say that the tremendous growth this year is really a reflection of both the COVID climate as well as the structural tailwinds for the Philippines. We only have 68% of internet users consuming online services as of now, based on the report. It mentioned here that looking at 2025, the overall internet economy of the Philippines will likely reach $40 billion in value. What are the factors needed in order to reach that by 2025? The first is we have traditionally talked about six factors that uh, are key enablers for internet economy growth. I won't list every six uh, one by one, but the main ones are around continued adoption, digital payments, Uh, So elements of both behavior as well as infrastructure. And if we look at the internet economy today, as well as uh, what's happening in the Philippines, we do see a lot of um, or very fast growing adoption of digital payments, not only e-wallets like Gcash, Paymaya, but also PesoNet, Instapay. There are a lot of things that are actually happening. Internet access is also improving very quickly. All of these factors are tailwinds to really help um, elevate the whole region as well, and in particular, the Philippines. And on top of that, if we look at the 40 billion number against that backdrop, most of this will actually come from e-commerce. If we just look at e-commerce by itself, there is a lot of headroom for the Philippines to continue to grow. In terms of the 40 billion GMV um, in the future, if we look at what's driving it, most of this growth will actually come from e-commerce. Uh, it's one of the biggest sectors, not only for the Philippines, but also for the region. To put things into context, Philippines' overall retail market size, meaning offline and online shopping, could be in excess of $160 billion by 2025. And if we look at what we're saying for e-commerce in the Philippines by 2025, 
e-commerce itself could reach something uh, on the order of 25, 26 billion or so. So if you just think about the ratio between what is online and the total value that the people spend on shopping, there is actually still a lot of headroom for growth. What are the risks towards getting that $40 billion um, mark by 2025? At least with COVID, not all sectors behave or respond to the same way. Obviously, you would probably expect e-commerce and food delivery to benefit, but uh, ride-hailing, on-demand transportation, as well as online travel to be muted uh, if such a situation happens. So that's definitely one source of uncertainty. The second one, if we look at some of the enablers, ESG, sustainability, data regulation, privacy, I think these are some of the tough policy questions that need to be addressed collectively by digital insurgents themselves, uh, regulators, businesses, merchants, even consumers. And so depending on how some of these factors could evolve, um, they could affect uh, how different sectors would evolve. Uh, So uh, data privacy, the ability for platforms to deepen their engagement, uh, understand consumer preferences, but also balancing that with privacy concerns for personal data ownership or protection. How do I utilize that? And if you think about not just on e-commerce, food delivery, travel, but also into digital financial services, payment, lending, insurance, many of these will be influenced by A, regulatory um, stance towards some of uh, these sectors, B, any macroeconomic or financial risks. If, for instance, heavy interest rate fluctuations or disruption to the financial market, lenders could modulate uh, their appetite for lending. So I think some of these risks that can be identified, uh, but always difficult to predict. And of course, some other risks such as COVID, where we probably wouldn't have thought about in 2019 or 2018. How do you see Philippines' um, digital consumption patterns and its impact on key internet economy sectors moving forward? It's interesting always to look at the consumption pattern within Philippines itself. Broad numbers first, 20%, right, are new as a broadening. And if you look at the deepening of the usage, uh, on average, consumers use four more digital services since uh, the pandemic started. So I think that's one. And because of the way the pandemic uh, has impacted our daily lives, where you see the adoption is uh, almost intuitive. Uh, So e-commerce, people engage much more frequently and spend more. Online food delivery, people also do that more. And what is also interesting is then online media. Uh, So no surprise, people watch Netflix, uh, play computer games, et cetera, et cetera. But we also start to see not only kind of regional players or big platforms or big names that we know of, uh, benefiting from this surge in consumer behavior and the shifting patterns. We also see a homegrown champions like Kumu. And so as we think about players like this and this particular sector, and you think about 5G and what that could do, hard for me to predict, but definitely that's something interesting as we see beyond just a normal e-commerce and food delivery, let's see how the online media will actually be unlocked uh, in the Philippines itself. As we both know, there's still some sort of hesitancy of other people towards e-commerce or digital money, digital trading, or digital economy. How can we say that it's safe, it's developing already, and it's already a big player? If we look at digital merchants, um, we can think about their engagement with digital tools or digital platforms in three ways. The first one is digital platforms through which they can interact with the customer. So 
I sell you food online or I sell you clothes online. Number two is digital financial services. So do they use digital payments? Do they accept digital payments, lending, et cetera, et cetera. And then number three is almost kind of productivity back office uh, tools, marketing, digital marketing, um, accounting using digital tools or cloud storage, et cetera. So these are the three areas uh, that we look at. Um, and if you look at the digital merchants today, you're correct. It's, there is some reluctance. I think if I go backwards, the easiest one for everyone to adopt is digital marketing. Go on Instagram, go on Facebook, uh, TikTok. It's painless. It's easy. They see the immediate value. There's no cost or minimal cost involved. But deepening that to cloud storage, uh, productivity tools, enterprise software, or simple SME accounting tools, I think that's where it starts to drop off. There's still a learning curve. SMEs may not see the benefit immediately. There is a pain of, okay, I need to convert all my paperwork into digital now. Uh, so I think that's one which is an issue of learning curve and experience and takes time to get there. Then we go to the second bucket, which is digital financial services. Payments, more merchants are accepting it, but there's also some reluctance. SMEs still want to use cash because I have it immediately, my working capital, liquidity, I need the cash on hand. But slowly we'll get there as more consumers demand to pay without cash. Right? But then using lending and insurance and et cetera, I think that's where infrastructure can help, which is if I don't have enough credit data, I find it more difficult to provide you with a working capital loan or invoice financing. So as more of the infrastructure develops, I think it will help ease some of these uh, issues. And then finally, digital platforms, uh, what we've seen from the report is the digital merchants are very happy or very satisfied generally. And they believe they wouldn't have survived without being online or selling goods online. But one of the pain points is around profitability. Sometimes if they sell uh, products online, A, it's difficult for them to differentiate other than pricing. And B, uh, sometimes uh, the economics don't work out after accounting for commissions, delivery fees, et cetera, et cetera. So these are some of the challenges that still face them. But I think given enough time, enough education and our support from the ecosystem, these barriers will slowly go away. Filipinos have consumed an average of 4.3 more services since the pandemic began. And 95% of pandemic consumers are still consumers today. Will the number of services increase, do you think, in terms of usage by 2025? I hope so. Maybe with Omicron, uh, that number will go up again. But, <laughs> but uh, jokes aside, I think... We don't have a prediction of this particular number, but we definitely believe that given the adoption and the kind of experience curve and learning curve from the consumers, uh, this number should definitely go up over time. Not only non-metro users come online, but also each user deepens uh, the average number of services engaged. So I think definitely uh, we would expect this number to, to increase going forward. I just want to know, what are the other opportunities for SMEs and digital merchants in the Philippines moving forward? From an SME and from a platform point of view, I think the first one, of course, is uh, continuing to onboard more and more merchants, uh, not just on e-commerce, but also on food delivery, et cetera, et cetera. There's still a lot of uh, room to grow and, and a lot more to go. The second one is then deepening onto financial services. And so not just accepting payments, but there's opportunity for merchants to also offer things like buy now, pay later. But at the same time, also once they start adopting 
digital payments, they have uh, transactions recorded digitally, uh, they build up credit assessment data, and that will potentially also allow them to then access uh, digital banking services or digital lending. So we know that you know, in Southeast Asia, merchants, uh, in particular SMEs, can benefit from uh, productive loans. So this is one area that could be interesting uh, going forward. And then finally, like I mentioned earlier, on the tool side, things like you know, beyond just marketing, but things like helping them with productivity, accounting software, enterprise resource planning software, SME version of, of that, uh, and things like that. So many pockets of opportunity where we can continue to engage the SME that will benefit the SMEs, but also um, deepen the relationship between platforms uh, and the SMEs. Will Omicron be a factor moving forward? And what are the other risks aside from Omicron that will either help or be a problem in terms of reaching mm. that 1 trillion figure by 2030? On the regional level, 2030, nine years away, there is always bound to be some level of uncertainty. The second is that when we look at 2025 and 2030, we do keep in mind the COVID situation this year last year and potentially into next year. But we don't look at our estimates from a event point of view because we cannot forecast individual events like Omicron and who knows what's going to happen next. But that being said, I think the way we look at the potential in 25 and 30 is based on foundational views. One meaning that as a whole, the macroeconomic situation in Southeast Asia has robust tailwinds. We know that in learnings from other markets that consumer adoption of digital and merchant adoption of digital will grow. And today it's still underpenetrated. We are optimistic from that perspective that we can reach 360 billion by 2035 and 700 billion to 1 trillion by 2030. Of course, that said, we are also conscious that it will take time for the region to recover, especially for some sectors because of COVID, may not have predicted Omicron. In fact, it would be impossible for us to predict Omicron, but we do understand that it will take time to recover. So I think those are the kind of long-term balance views of optimism, but also cautious considerations. That said, still optimistic that we'll still reach uh, 360 and 1 trillion or 700 billion to 1 trillion. Among countries in Southeast Asia, which do you think will be the key driver in terms of, let's say this country should achieve this in order for us to get that target of 700 billion to 1 trillion by 2030? Because if not, uh, the projection might be a bit off. If we look at the projection, for sure, Indonesia, given the sheer size of the population and the size of the economy, um, Indonesia will be a key driver of the figure. And uh, if we just think about Indonesia's GDP today, as a ratio of the six Southeast Asian countries in our report, the total GDP. Indonesia is about, off the top of my head, probably between 30 and 40% of the total GDP. So it will always be one of the key markets in the region. Uh, we cannot escape that fact. Um, that being said, if we look at the 700 billion to 1 trillion contribution or potential GMV by 2030, and if we look at what Indonesia could achieve, it represents around 30-40% of the 700 billion to 1 trillion number. Recognizing that Indonesia is a key market, but also recognizing the importance of every market in the region. I and mean, what I'm saying is that Indonesia is not an outsized contributor of the 700 billion to 1 trillion number, if you consider the scale of uh, the market and uh, the GDP. 
in terms of digital consumer penetration among countries, which do you think has the most potential in terms of increasing their respective consumer penetration figures? The Philippines has a tremendous upside. Um, I think if you look at numbers in the report, Singapore, I said earlier, 97%, Thailand, 90%. So not surprising, very developed markets, um, infrastructure, connectivity, et cetera. But Philippines, 68%, Vietnam, 71%, Indonesia, 80%, Malaysia, 81%. Um, I think definitely room to increase this penetration. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Willie Chang, associate partner at Bain & Company, doing a deep dive into the report released in November 2021. Southeast Asia is on track to become a $1 trillion digital economy by 2030, and the Philippines is part of that growth. You heard Mr. Chang telling Business World reporter Revin Michael Diochave that the Philippines saw the largest proportion of new digital consumers since the coronavirus pandemic broke out in 2020. Lots of opportunities remain for small businesses. To take advantage of them, entrepreneurs should look into using even more of the digital tools at their disposal. This B-Side episode was recorded remotely on November 30, 2021. On that day, around 400 new COVID-19 cases were logged. How quickly things can change. As I record this, we've been averaging around 30,000 new cases a day. This is Sam El Marcelo. Thanks for listening. Keep safe and keep sane.